0: And a very good morning, behind-the-scenes interview time here on Worcester Radio. Our guest, uh, via the telephone this morning, our good friend from the OSU Extension Office here in Wayne County, and that is Rory Levandusky, uh talking, as always, agriculture, specifically talking with us this morning about farm biosecurity. And, Rory, before we delve into that, a very good morning. Happy to have you joining us here today. Yeah,
1: Good morning, Ron. Uh, glad we can work this out.
0: Well, today's topic, as I mentioned, is farm biosecurity. Certainly, uh, not a new topic for farmers. But, uh, Rory, how does the, the the current COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic create a sense of urgency or perhaps increased relevance for farm biosecurity? I know uh, I, a lot of people aren't necessarily thinking about farms right now, but this is obviously a big issue.
1: Yeah, you're right. And as you mentioned, Ron, uh, certainly, you know, farm biosecurity is not a new topic. Uh, we typically talk about biosecurity in terms of protecting livestock health. Um, So I believe really the striking difference here with this COVID-19 virus is that we're talking about a virus that obviously directly impacts human health, uh, obviously sometimes with severe consequences, as opposed to the health of our livestock. So uh, the focus really shifts to uh, that sense of urgency on farms as in that point of doing what they can to keep family members and farm employees
0: safe. Now, Rory, I know most of our listeners already know this, but it never hurts to continue to to press upon people the key facts to be aware of regarding the coronavirus, you know, and per- personal health in general. We've talked to a lot of people over the last four weeks about this, and, and again, we can't reiter- reiterate this enough about what people need to do to stay healthy.
1: Sure. Uh, well, Ron, again, uh, you know, doctors and medical persons tell us the virus is most often contracted by touching an infected surface uh, with our hands, and then we transfer that virus to our face, specifically by touching our eyes, nose, or mouth. Uh, the medical personnel also tell us that the virus can be thoroughly killed or inactivated by washing our hands using soap or barring that, a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol content, uh, we also hear this recommendation about wearing a mask, and oftentimes uh, that mask, uh, just by having a mask on, uh, prevents people from kind of unconscious habits of touching your face. Uh, that can help to reduce the risk of disease transmission, and we're hearing uh, maybe helping to spread from maybe people who can be asymptomatic as well.
0: Rory, as you mentioned at the beginning of our interview today, when talking about biosecurity practices for the farm, it's usually to protect the livestock. So what are some of the farm biosecurity practices that differ when talking about the coronavirus as compared to the practices when you are talking about you know, protecting the farm livestock?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm going to uh, quote from a recent uh, issue of the OSU Extension Buckeye Dairy News. It had a really good article in there from biosecurity during the this COVID-19 outbreak. It was written by Jason Hartshew, an extension educator in Crawford County, and Gustavo Schuneman, who is an OSU extension dairy veterinarian. And uh, some of their recommendations, I'm going to draw on on those uh, for this interview. But two main points that they make uh, regarding COVID-19 biosecurity uh, is to focus on farm personnel behavior, and then secondly, the disinfection of some of those key high-touch surfaces on the farm.
0: Our guest on the phone with us this morning, talking biosecurity measures on the farm is Rory Levandusky from the OSU Extension Office in Wayne County. Rory, let's examine the point about farm personal behavior. Uh, we've all heard about social distancing, uh, ad nauseum, and refraining from shaking hands as appropriate, COVID-19 behavior. What other behaviors specifically to the farm could be helpful?
1: Yeah, and Ron, again, certainly those are key behaviors. But again, in farm operations, uh, you know, working from home, uh, isn't really an option. Labor's critical. And so farm owners or managers are not going to tell their employees to stay home, uh, unless they're sick. Uh, so they're going to be in the workplace. So cross-training employees, uh, so that all employees can do multiple tasks certainly provides farms with some flexibility to work around uh, when sick employees, you know, can't come to the farm. Uh, another Thing to consider is that farms may have to restructure some of the tasks to allow for more social distancing of those employees that are there on the farm. Uh, so, for example, scheduling maybe only one or two farm employees in the in the farm shop at a time as equipment is being ready for the planting season. Uh, farms typically have a lot of visitors, a lot of service providers, uh, salesmen, and, and uh, different folks coming out to the farm. So, which of those service providers, though? really physically need to to visit the farm versus maybe some of that business now can be done over a phone call. Uh, If a delivery has to be made, can you set up a designated area that's a set-aside area that will minimize person-to-person contact so they don't have to be driving all over the farm or trying to locate someone, you set aside this designated area. And then setting aside that specific area for deliveries can also then make it easier to provide regular disinfection of that area.
0: You know, Rory, when when I think about Wayne County, I think about the dairy farms, specifically now about the milking parlor. You've got multiple people in a small enclosed area, which is what we're not supposed to have. What kind of behaviors and practices then are recommended to minimize the coronavirus risk when you're talking about a milking parlor?
1: And Ron, I think you really hit on a key question here. I think uh, milking parlors are probably the most difficult farm environment uh, to really practice uh, social distancing. As you mentioned, we've got, uh, you know, usually multiple people in a fairly enclosed area. Uh, but I would still encourage farm managers to maybe analyze and restructure the milking routine to allow milkers in, to work in, in a defined area so they're not maybe walking the entire length of the milking parlor. They they have an area that they're assigned to. Uh, that can help to keep as much distance as possible uh, between themselves. Uh, Think about how to minimize, again, those milking routines that have workers frequently crossing each other's paths. Uh, So just can you rework that a little bit? Uh, Again, other key factors here, make sure those workers are definitely wearing gloves. We usually talk about that, but uh, really important now in this time of the COVID-19. And and in addition, uh, provide face masks to the milkers, uh, those workers in the parlor.
0: Rory, in addition to the things that uh, we've been talking about uh, in all walks of life, are there other specific farm behaviors that you can think of that, that could be changed, if not to completely eliminate the risk of the, the coronavirus, uh, at least you know decrease it a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think uh, we can think of in terms of equipment and, and how that equipment sometimes is shared. Um, protective equipment, for example, and on a farm that might be things like uh, welding gloves, helmets, goggles. Uh, so, again, at this time of COVID-19, maybe trying to provide additional supplies of these items and assigning them to specific employees rather than sharing among employees. Uh, that could help to reduce the, the chance of virus transmission. Uh, think about any other objects that might be commonly shared between employees that are handled frequently. Uh, for example, even just, you know, simple things like uh, pens, clipboards. Uh, is there a way to eliminate some of that sharing behavior? Again, Uh, maybe more of those assigned to employees, Uh, disinfection. Uh, Can we use, uh, you know, maybe whiteboards or communicate in in different ways? And again, uh, always wearing disposable gloves so when those things are are touched and handled, uh, before they're they're handed off, again, we have that that barrier at least of of disposable gloves.
0: Rory, uh, let's shift our conversation to talk about disinfection. You know, we've all heard that the coronavirus can remain active on many hard and smooth surfaces for multiple hours and even days. So let's talk about some of the keys to disinfecting surfaces on the farm because it's so different than, say, an office or a cubicle. I know, you know, I've I've been told I've got to wipe down my keyboards and my computers and things in the studio here. But when you're talking about a farm, you're talking about large surfaces, a lot of different areas. So things can be a lot more difficult in that regard.
1: Uh, that again, Ron, you're really correct about that. And, and uh, we are concerned about, again, the viability of that, that virus and on all the surfaces that we see on the farm. And so disinfection, again, really does become important in trying to minimize that risk. Uh, but when I go back to that, again, that Buckeye News article by uh, Jason Hartshue and Gustavo Schunemann, uh those authors point out that on a farm, you know, again, it's more difficult because often there's a need to do some some deep cleaning uh, on surfaces before disinfectants are applied. So most of our disinfectants are not going to work if the surface has organic material on it. So uh, in a farm situation, uh, soil, dust, uh, feed, plant material, uh, manure. Uh, So you, you first really have that need. You clean that dirty surface first, then you disinfect to kill the microbes and viruses.
0: Rory Levandusky from the OSU Extension Office joining us on the phone this morning. Rory, some areas that I guess should maybe be a priority over others when you're talking about cleaning and disinfecting?
1: Um, yes. Yeah. So think about, again, those high-touch areas that have frequent contact throughout the day. Uh, some examples would include, obviously, uh, tables, hardback chairs, doorknobs, light switches, power switches for large motors, uh, phones, uh, tablets, touchscreens, Keyboards, handles, desk. Uh, you know, again, toilets, sinks, cabinet handles, uh, mailbox handles, shop tools. All, the, all those uh, welders, uh, tractor controls. Now, as we get into you know planting season, field work, we have a lot of people moving in and out of tractors and tractor seats, and and. Uh, then in the barn, uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, all through the, the milking parlor and anything else, really just kind of thinking through where areas that, again, are, are touched multiple times throughout the day. Those are our priority areas, obviously, to try to disinfect.
0: Rory, what about porous surfaces? You know, I'm thinking about cloth back chairs or maybe something like tractor or equipment seats. You know, what do you need to do for those?
1: Yeah, that's another good question, Ron. So again, uh, that going back to that uh, Buckeye Dairy News article on on uh, farm biosecurity, uh, they recommend for porous services such as tractor seats uh, that it might be beneficial to maybe wrap them in plastic to allow them to uh, be better cleaned. And then once they're wrapped in plastic, uh, you could treat those services as a, another high touch area. Vinyl seats can be treated as a hard surface, high touch, and and disinfected in that way.
0: Rory. Any recommendations as, as we get ready to, to wrap things up here today for any specific kind of disinfectant material? Is there one kind that's better than another? You know, I know a lot of people are having a hard time finding that. So, um, you know, what's the best route to go when you're, when you're trying to clean this stuff?
1: Right. Uh, and the EPA does have a website that lists uh, many different uh, disinfectant options. Uh, I'd be glad to send that link to anyone. Uh, and concentration is really important as we uh, deal with this, uh, this virus. Uh, but a few common active ingredients on that EPA list, uh, again, are things that are pretty readily available, sodium hypochloride, uh, sodium chloride, uh, ethanol, quaternary ammonia, and hydrogen peroxide. Uh, so if you're using, for example, a, a bleak solution, uh, sodium hypochloride, Uh, again, concentration is important. The goal there is a minimum of a a 1,000 parts per million of the sodium hypochlorite or that household bleach. So in a household bleach example, uh, you would add one-third cup of bleach for every gallon of water in order to get that concentration.
0: Finally, Rory, as we sign off here today, any other resources out there in regard to this that you'd like to recommend?
1: Yeah, there's been obviously a lot of information and resources put out about uh, this. Uh, So uh, we've compiled a lot of those resources as I've come across them, gotten them in emails, uh, mailings, whatever. Uh, We do have a webpage on the, on our uh, Wayne County Extension Agriculture and Natural Resources page. Uh, It's entitled COVID-19 Farm Resources. Again, we've compiled uh, a lot of different resources on, you know, working with your employees during this time. Uh, There's uh, information links. Uh, there are videos, there are podcasts. So again, that's a good resource available on our, the Wayne County Extension uh, webpage.
0: Rory, as always, thanks for joining us here this morning. Our guest uh, on the phone, Rory Lewandowski from the OSU Extension Office in Wayne County. More to come. We'll check in with your five-day weather forecast up next.